Acts chapter 15, and I am uh, concluding our series called A Jack of All Trades. We're highlighting the five things in your life that if you can master these things, I'm telling you, life will go well for you. Because I don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. There's some things in life I want to conquer. And, you know, you, you can master your spiritual life. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, having daily devotions and time with God. It's very simple. We talked about conquering your thought life, processing your pain. And a few weeks ago, we talked about your physical body and your health and taking care of it. And last week, we talked about mastering money. It can be done. And today, I want to hit, I think, one of the greatest needs of our time. And if you're going to succeed in life, you've got to conquer this area. And we're going to talk about mastering relationships, which I found a very fitting passage uh, from Acts chapter 15, one I've thought about many, many times. I want to start in the 36th verse of Acts 15 and read down to about verse 40 and then pray. This is what the Bible says, Acts 15, 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now it says Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. It says the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you for the scriptures. I pray for wisdom, revelation, fresh insight. God, help us grow and develop in our walk with one another and our walk with you. We just thank you for your sweet spirit and presence that's here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I was thinking about a time when Pastor David and I, you know, Pastor David, he's working back there with the kids because half the people in the kids' ministry are his kids. But (laughs) Pastor David and I, you know, we were two young bucks. So this was 20 years ago. And uh, at that time, he was dating my sister, which... um, made it very easy to agitate him. And um, I don't know what I did. Frankly, I may have done nothing at all. But he was chasing me around the house. And I'm, you know, making my way around, and and I grabbed the railing to spin her up the stairs. And so he's following me. He does the same thing. He grabbed that railing and snapped it in half. And my mom was furious. She just came undone. David, you're breaking my house. Screaming at him. I'm at the top of the stairs making faces, <laughs> spitting my tongue out. Somehow, David and I are still friends today. So I know what I'm talking about when I talk about relationships. And I'm grateful for relationships. And, you know, I, I just, I, you can master them. You can win the relational battle. Now, in this uh, 36 verse, I'm, I'm back up here to the beginning of the text. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, He said, let's now go back and visit our brethren uh, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and let's see how they're doing. What this tells me is that everyone needs relationship. Every person. It's the way that God has, you know, wired us. And Paul had this longing in his heart. He wanted to go back and see those people that he'd won to the Lord on his missionary journeys. He was longing for them. And you know, when I went to Nepal, I felt that way. I had some great connections I made in Nepal. I met a pastor there, just blessed me so much. We want to get a, a, a help build a church on for him because he's doing a great work in rural Nepal. 
And I mean, I, my, it was like we just hit it off. There was some love that existed right there. Uh, you know, everybody has this need for relationship. Not everybody's got the same capacity for it, but God has put it in our hearts to, to just be a people who know how to love one another. The thing about relationships that makes them so unique is that, first of all, they provide meaning and balance in your life. You know, if you've got a family, there's something wonderful and meaningful, and, and deep, intimate friendships can do that in your life. Um, they provide balance, so you keep both feet on the floor, so you stay stable. Relationships are eternal. I mean, when you think about the fact that's really the only thing you can take with you into heaven is the relationships that you've established on the earth. That, that's one of the reasons why I want my kids in church, in Sunday school. I want them growing in the things of God because I want them to be with me in eternity. Now, we said a few weeks ago that relationships can be a great source of pain in your life, but they can also be a great source of joy if you master them. And this morning, I just want to highlight some ways that you can master relationships. I'm going to teach you how to cultivate the connections that are around you. There's some aptitude you can have in your relationships because we are in a time right now where like, relationships in the world are fragmenting. There's like a disintegration. You can see it in the family unit and divorce can be such a painful subject, but it's like so common today. And you know, we've got th things like social media, which just tear down interpersonal people skills. And the next thing that's coming is the metaverse. Have you seen that? I mean, you, you know, they're talking about putting goggles on children where they can stay in their living room, but it, it's like they'll be in elementary school online in the digital world, and, and there, there's this whole world online that's being created, and it's breaking down you know, people skills. It's breaking down relationships. And, and, and think about COVID. Think about the season we've been through, you know, with, with ridiculous masks on people's faces that really aren't very effective. And, and yet the whole society is getting broken down by things like that. I mean, it's really a crazy time in the world right now. So I want to highlight here how, how you can grow in, in, in your relationships. Uh, look at verse 37. It tells us that Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted, one guy was determined, the other guy insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So the first thing I see in this verse about growing in relationship, if you're going to master your relationships around you, you're going to have to overcome the immaturity. I'm telling you, we're living in a very immature time in the world. Immaturity is childish behavior. It's, it's the inability to handle any kind of complexity or pressure. And this is a great passage to highlight that because John Mark was probably a young man. There's little clues in Scripture that allude to that, that he was younger than the apostles, that he was a younger man. And as a younger man, you know, he had a difficult time. It says he departed from them in Pamphylia. That, that is a little town at the base of what's called the Taurus Mountains in Turkey. And the Taurus Mountains get up to 12,000 feet, sort of like you know, what we've got here in the Rocky Mountains. And Paul, in order to fulfill his missionary journeys, had to go up that pass. It's a treacherous pass. And as a young man, you know, uh, John Mark perhaps just didn't feel that he could handle the pressure that came with that. 
And, and so he, Paul was you know, frustrated by the immaturity that was there. You know, uh, missionary journeys are, are difficult things. I mean, this was no walk in the park that Paul was going on. And I know I felt that way when I went to India. Uh, first of all, there was too much curry in India. That made it challenging. I'm not a curry fan. I'll never forget the smells of India. I'll never forget the spiritual climate that existed there. And I'll never forget the fact they have no trash deliver, or tra- you know, trash system. Everything is just discarded. And it, it was a very difficult trip. I was uncomfortable for much of the time. Uh, you know, I heard a statement uh, on a podcast where someone said that uh, hard times create hard men. And hard men create Soft times. Soft times happen, uh, I don't know, anyway, I forgot the point, but the idea is that if you've got soft times, it'll create hard men. Right now, we're in a soft time. That means there's a lot of immaturity abounding. We've got a society that's so effeminate, so soft, you got to be politically correct, you got to be, you know, dangerous of things that you say to other people. We've got this soft time right now, and it's creating some hard men. Difficult situations. There is so much immaturity. Now, immaturity is something that predominantly affects men, but I have seen it in women. Usually it's the ones that will yell at you and throw a tirade. But predominantly right now in the culture, we're talking about immaturity among men. And you can see it in so many ways. You can see it in academics. Do you know that most of the college graduates now are women? And you can see it in behavior. I mean, you've got 40 and 50-year-old men who would rather play video games than parent their children. You don't know what I'm talking about. you got people who have zero priority suits about things in life that matter. And they're caught up with you know, all kinds of immature pursuits. And, and that is sort of like these times that we're in. And if you're going to make relationships work, there has to be an overcoming of immaturity. I was reading a great book by a man named A.R. Bernard. He's the pastor of the Cultural Christian Center in New York City. And he wrote a book called The Four Things That a Woman Wants in a Man. And the first thing he said a woman wants in a man is maturity. I'll never forget that. If you want to know what the other four are, you're going to have to read the book. (laughs) But that, that point really stuck out to me. Immaturity is not a function of your age. It's a matter of your willingness to accept responsibility in life. And I, I see this happen. I mean, some people, they don't want to accept the responsibilities. That's why they're hard to work with. Have you ever had a job with someone who's a slacker? And you feel like you've got to pick up the pace because they lack maturity in some area? Uh, you can see it at jobs. You can see it with how people pay their bills. I mean, I know people who just don't get the bills paid because they lack maturity. They'd rather be doing other things. And when the responsibilities and the pressure hit them, it's like they check out. That's immaturity. You know, you can see it in, in the way they want to handle family relationships. And, and, and it's just an immaturity. So it's not really a function of the calendar. It's a function of accountability. Man, I'm accountable in life. I'm accountable to my spouse. And she holds me accountable. And, you know, Elizabeth, she can check my phone whenever she wants. I'm amazed. I'll meet people who won't let their wives check their phones they want to hide everything. There's no accountability there. She, she gets to look at whatever she wants to look into my life. I'm accountable to her. I'm a, that's maturity. I'm accountable in the way I raise my children. They need to be in a home where they feel loved. They need to be in a place where I'm available to them. That's accountability. I'm accountable to my friends. 
I, I have a church board that oversees what we're doing because I'm accountable for the things that I teach and the doctrines that we have. I'm accountable to the members of our church. If people donate money, that they should feel safe about where the money is going. There's accountability here. I've been in places where there's no accountability. You don't know where the money's going. It's lied about. That's immaturity. Maturity means that you'll stick with certain guiding principles and godly values that you have. I'll never forget what my mom told me when she asked us to clean the house as kids. She'd say, we need to have this room clean. And I'd say, I don't feel like cleaning the room. And she'd say, there's a lot of things in life that you have to do that you don't feel like. You know, that really hits home at age 40 with three kids. I, there's lots of things I don't feel like. We don't feel like doing the dishes. I don't feel like vacuuming. I don't feel like cleaning the bathroom, but we have to do that. I don't always feel like having daily Bible devotions, but I have a relationship with God that matters. I mean, there's things you just go through, and maturity is that consistency that sticks with the right values and principles. So if you want to deepen relationship, the first thing you're going to have to do is overcome the immaturity, which is just prevalent in the soft society we have today. Can I get a witness? Now let's talk about a second thing here. Uh, Verse 39. It tells us that the contention they had became so sharp. I mean, they, they were probably yelling at each other. And it said that they parted from one another. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now, a little background here. Uh, Barnabas was a wealthy Levite from Cyprus. That's what earlier in the book of Acts tells us. And Colossians chapter 4 tells us that John Mark was actually his cousin, probably his nephew. And you can see that, you know, that he just said, fine, I'm taking John Mark and we are going home. But it says Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Let me give you the master key for mastering relationships. It's having open and honest communication. Open and honest communication. Now, this contention became very sharp. A, a frank, heated, sharp conversation is not necessarily a bad thing, though it will provoke emotion. And this is what I love about the Bible. That's why I believe the Bible. Because the the characters in the Bible have flaws. And the scriptures reveal some of those flaws. I mean, Paul was a, he was a hard guy. You know, we talk about hard times and soft times. And Paul was, he was a a man who was driven. He was a militant personality. And when he was with Peter in Galatians chapter 2, they got in an argument over circumcision. I mean, here you've got the people who wrote the Bible, two very spiritual men yelling at each other about doctrine and about how they should treat people. And that's one thing that I enjoy about scriptures. It's real. You don't find that in other books, religious books of the world. The Bible reveals the flaws of people. Open and honest communication is the way that you master relationship. And it's really where the rubber meets the road. And if you can learn how to communicate effectively with people, if you can learn how to talk things through, if you can communicate, if you can have those Moments, you can overcome any kind of difficult situations. See, communication is so important. And and relationships require communication. Now, this just happened to me, you know, with Elizabeth. Uh, In a marriage situation, you're going to have to be able to communicate. And, you know, a few weeks ago, 
Uh, Elizabeth and I took a trip down to Chico, Hot Springs, had a great time. I remember uh, I was preaching that morning about your physical body. I thought I had some great points. I enjoyed my message, but it was like emotionally, man, I was really struggling. I just didn't feel present. I felt kind of frustrated. I was trying to find myself. I didn't know what to make of it. And, and so, you know, when we got down to Chico and had some time, we were able to talk. And I think what we discovered is it's hard for me to kind of put work aside and go spend quality time with my wife. Now, I know some of y'all thinking that sounds like an amazing thing to just get alone and get away with your wife. But for me, it was hard. I, I feel like, man, I'm working on a basement. My, I'm focused on, you know, uh, church stuff. And, and just being able to tune out was hard. That, that's a flaw of mine. She deserves for me to be able to be present and there with her and, and, and talk with her. That's why you ought to come out to our marriage conference, because you'll learn things like that. Things you got to get better at. So we talked about it. And you know what? That built a relationship that made it for a wonderful trip. And then you know what happened Friday morning? She was, a, she was you know, frustrated with Titus because he wanted to wear a suit to school. I don't know if you've seen my child. He loves to wear suits everywhere. I don't... So I felt like her tone was a bit much. And uh, I reacted to that. And uh, when I got into work, I had to put a sermon together. And you just can't put sermons together and hear from God when you've been in a fight with your wife. So we, call, we called, we talked about it, and communication brought us through that. I'm telling you, that, that is so crucial in your life. i got to communicate with my children. They need affirmation. They need to be loved and affirmed. But they also need uh, ex- explanation when I tell them why I'm disciplining them or what they did wrong. Affirmation and explanation. They need two parts of it. And this is the same thing with your friends. I had a friend one time who I would describe as volatile. One time I told her that. She said, what do you mean volatile? What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) So I remember we were talking, and she misunderstood what I said. I said something, and she she started getting angry. I could feel the emotion rising. You ever had those moments? And I knew something was... I said, no, no, listen, listen. That's not what I meant. This is what I said. And I just calmly explained it, and everything got de-escalated. If you can't do that you're going to have a hard time making relationships work with people. as it happens to everybody. So, you know, in a marriage, with children, with friends, at a job, it requires that you communicate. Relationships require that. Leadership requires communication. You know what I've discovered about myself is that uh, I like to have ideas. I'm good with people, and I like to, you know, get people together and but I'm really not very good at the details when it comes to making plans for things. And it's created a lot of problems for the church staff. Because I might say something in my mind that I think is a great idea, but because there's no detail to it, people get frustrated, they get confused, they don't know where you're going. That, that lack of detail is so vital for me leading something. I'm a big fan of, you know, football, so today I can't wait to watch the NFL playoffs. And I got the Rams. That's who I'm taking for my Super Bowl pick all the way through. But they got one coordinator on one of the teams. He's an amazing coach. And they keep trying to get the guy hired. But I I read a a report online. The reason he's had a hard time getting a job is because he's a poor communicator. You might have some good ideas, but if you can't get that properly communicated where other people can follow it, it's hard for you to be a leader. Hard for you to be a head coach in situations. You know what leadership really is? is problem solving. And communication is how you can solve problems. 
That was a great verse in the book of Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 6. I think I have the verse on the screen. It tells us that your speech should be with grace. I mean, you, you know, you, you got to know how to communicate. You got to know how to talk to people. You, you, you want to be in a position where you've got empathy. Maybe that means that you listen before you speak. But he also said it should be seasoned with salt. That, that, that's the place where you speak the truth in love. And sometimes the truth hurts. But that's how you can answer each other. Sometimes you have to have that open, honest conversation. And if it's said with grace and tact, you can get through things. This happened to me on Tuesday with Pastor Daniel. Poor Pastor Daniel. He gets stressed out in January because he's got all these tax things going on through his mind. And, you know, he's busy with it. it it's like, man, there's so much to comprehend and go through. And he just had to have a moment where he was like, I, I got to talk to somebody. I got to vent. And, and listen, man, we had some honest conversation. It was seasoned with salt. And you know what? That relationship is stronger now than it was because that's how you make relationships work. See, problem solving requires communication. And if you really want to know the truth about it, healing a broken relationship requires communication. I, I love the way this story ends. I don't know if you know this, because you read here in Acts 15, they had this big parting. But 2 Timothy chapter 4 gives you the rest of the story. 2 Timothy 4.11 is when Paul was writing his epistle, he, he said, get Mark... And bring him to me, for he's useful for the ministry. That mark is thought to be the same John mark that he sent off. You can see that a relationship was restored. And somewhere along the line, for that to happen, there had to be effective communication. Open, honest things, and everything came back full circle. That's the story of the Bible. That's what I love about the scriptures. You know, I asked a friend of mine who started a church, what's the hardest part of church planning? And he said, uh, losing all your friends. That's a sober, frank reality. And I've had to walk down that road. Man, I've had people who I love dearly that, for whatever reason, moved on. Or, and, and, you know, to my credit, I've tried to stay in contact and keep those relationships open. And it, it's like that requires open and honest conversation. And if you're ever going to have relationships that really grow, if you're ever going to problem solve, if you're going to get through issues, if you're ever going to make those connections stronger, you've got to learn how to communicate. Open and honest communication. Let your words be seasoned with salt and have grace when you communicate. Let me give you number three here. Look at verse uh, 41. It tells us that uh, Paul is going on this journey through Syria and Cilicia, uh, strengthening the churches, so he's fruitful. In chapter 16, they came to Derby and Lystra. They're, they're making a journey there around what's present-day Turkey. And it says there was a certain disciple there named Timothy. The Greek word here is Timotheus. That was his name. Timotheus, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But it says his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium. Now, in the cultural sense, uh, if your mom was Jewish, then you were considered Jewish. And so even though he had a Greek father, he was hanging out with other Jewish believers. And it tells us in verse 3 that Paul wanted him to go on with them. So Paul saw something in him. Paul saw potential. Paul, he, he, it was like, man, he, he, he wanted him to go. Here's what this tells me. And this is the third thing I'd say about mastering relationships. You have to understand your own relational capacity. There, there's something about understanding your limitations and, and what you have and, and the capacity that belongs to you. It, Paul had this 
you know, amazing connection, a divine connection with his son, his spiritual son, Timothy. Paul referred to him as a true son in the faith. When we talk about relational capacity, what we're talking about is, is what limits you have in your heart. You could describe it as boundaries, perhaps, or it's really the, it's how much can you handle in a relationship. Uh, everybody's got the need for relationship, but not everybody has the same capacity for relationships. Not everybody has the same um, you know, desires. Or it's, it's, it's like it works differently with different people, probably through temperaments and personalities. And, and I, I've discovered this in my own life. You see, different people have different capacities. And here in Paul's case, he had a capacity for these young men like Timothy. You know, if you, if you study his life, you'll see that he would travel on these missionary journeys. And I think there's about 18 different men that he would travel with. I mean, you got Timothy, Titus, Silvanus was a guy, uh, Tychicus was a guy, uh, he had Epaphras, Epaphroditus. Whenever you see him at the end of his epistles, he's always saying hello and sending couriers. That's what he did. He had a capacity for people. He had a capacity to minister and invest in their lives. You know, my favorite part about ministry and, and, and pastoring isn't really the, the preaching aspect of it. I mean, it, you know, I do that, but what I really like to do is chase people down in the hallway and talk to them. I mean, that's my favorite thing is the relational component about ministry. And man, I, I've always tried to do that. It just feels like I got too many people to talk to sometimes. I can't get to everybody. I love to spend time with people. And after services, I might get hit from people, so I can't even get out in the foyer hardly anymore. But I, I, I just, I love that side of it. But you know, I had a woman who approached me. She said, hey, I want to come talk to you, but every time I do, I feel like you're looking past me, trying to get to the next person and, and go run after people. And I thought, wow, like that, that's not anything that I felt like I was doing, but it made me realize that I hit a limit with my capacity. There's only certain things I can do. I mean, that really helped me understand how to pace myself and, and be okay with the limitations that I have. I have a capacity for people. I love them. But, you know, not everybody has capacity like that. Some people, their capacity is just kind of, you know, for that one friend that they have or they want to have a, a close-knit circle of people. That's fine. It, it's just everyone's got certain capacities. Uh, there's different capacities that you have for different relationships, particularly if they're meaningful. Now, think about Jesus. I mean, he had, his, he had 70 men he sent out. He had 12 disciples, and he had the three closest to him. And that pattern is probably the same thing in your life. You're going to have, you know, people that maybe you work with, you know, um, colleagues, business associations, connections, and, and you got to maintain those relationships and, and, and they're, they're work relationships. And, th and then you might have, you know, really good friends. You might have that 12 people. In fact, you know what they tell us, uh, they did a, a study on this and they found out that the average person has as many deep connections as they have fingers. About 10 people is the most that you can handle in a life, in your life, on a very deep level. You know, when you think about your family, that's about the normal person, the capacity they have. And Jesus, he also had his three. You know, Peter, James, and John. And in your life, that's probably that intimate connections, the people that really matter to you, the closest people, perhaps your family, or the intimate connection. Those are deep, meaningful things. I think about how there's different capacities you have for different seasons in life. 
Because, you know, when you're in the single season, you don't mind going over to people's houses to like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I've had single people who want to crash the party. And I'm like, brother, I'm adulting over here. We're getting up at 4.30 and going for a three-mile run. I've got to keep this 40-year-old dad body in shape. It's just part of life. (laughs) You know, so I'm in the season of uh, being married, right? So I've got children. I'm trying to be intentional with them in the way I raise them. Man, I heard a great statement from a pastor uh, when I was at Pastors University. And he said, at the end of your life, you're going to regret that you worried more about your church than your children. Really hit home with me, man. I'm trying to be intentional in raising children, creating a culture in the home. Maybe you're in the season of empty nesting. Maybe them kids are gone. You got a little more free time. That is a season for investing what you know into the life of somebody else. And I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest ways that you can master relationship and have capacity. It is when you can take the stuff that you know and return it back in someone's life. You know, I, I was with my uncle in California for a season of time. I had a few weeks with him. We lived in his house on the beach. You could hear the waves crashing, and we would burn $20 Duraflame logs every night sitting by the beach. <laughs> and I just remember hearing his stories and, and, and being grateful for what he had, being grateful for the relationship and the time and, and the stuff I learned from that season. Yeah. So you can master relationships. You can even master relationships with angry brother-in-laws who chase you down. It can happen for you. I want to ask you about your relationships this morning, about where they're at. Maybe there's some immaturity that's got to be overcome. Ask yourself that question, ma'am. You wonder, is there immaturity? Just ask your spouse. She'll let you know. Just talk to somebody. Immaturity is pretty evident. It's pretty, it's pretty common in today's world. And in the same way that John Mark, you know, wasn't able to keep up because of his youth, there could be some areas of your life that are immature. Maybe you're spending too much time chasing your pursuits and not investing in the relationships. And maybe everything is on your level, but your spouse might need meets her, their needs met on a different level. People around you may need more from you. And if you're so caught up with yourself and your needs, that, that's an area of immaturity. It's accepting responsibility and being accountable with people. It could be that uh, you struggle with being able to communicate effectively. And I'm telling you, that is a major, major problem in today's world. Do you know how many arguments and fights can be resolved and worked through if you simply know how to have speech seasoned with grace and salt? If you simply learn to communicate effectively, if you're willing to put the effort in, if you can stay calm rather than blowing your lid. And that, that, I'm telling you, that's a huge problem in today's world, especially in younger generations. The ability to communicate, that level of security you need is a powerful thing. I'm always trying to sharpen my communications, always. It solves so many problems. It saves me so much heartache. And, and it, so we that you can't communicate. And I find this all the time with people. So we can pray for communication to grow, but you've got to exercise. You've got to learn. You're going to have to stay calm and listen and be patient. And that might be the season you're in, how to do it. And understanding relational capacity, man. How, how blessed have I been to understand that I have limitations. Sometimes I put too much expectancy on myself. And if you can find where you're supposed to invest in someone's life and who to invest in, if you can find those three, those 12, if you understand who you're working with and how to make that work, I'm telling you, it can go well. You can master 
relationships. You can make it work with people. Happen for people in the Bible. It can happen for you. How many of y'all want to grow your relationships around you? I know I want to grow mine, man. Let's just pray for the grace and the goodness of God. This morning, I thank you, Lord, for a heart of people that wants to grow, that wants to walk in your plan. And I pray, Lord, for seasoned words, words of wisdom. I pray that we be able to speak the truth in love with one another. I pray for a sense of security, personal growth, personal development. I pray, Lord, that people become more fruitful in job endeavors, in marriage endeavors, in parenting endeavors, in in every endeavor of their life because they're learning how to communicate and grow. Mm, I just prophesy potential over you. That potential that you have to get the job done, I feel like like there's great growth potential in this room for people to grow, for that relationship to be healed and whole, broken things to get fixed. And we just thank you, Father, for your goodness. I pray your grace. I pray be exercised in people's lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Man, I, I, was, uh, I was thinking back about a time when I was about 20, and I needed a job. And I remember uh, I'd pray and, and, and declare and claim this job at this company called Boise Cascade, which is over on South 29th Street. And, you know, the most interesting thing happened. They had 350 applicants for uh, two positions open in the summer. And, I mean, I, I was claiming it. I had scripture verses posted everywhere. I, that job came to me. And I was one of the two people hired for that job. It just blew my mind. I found out later that some people who worked there knew me. I had went to school with their children. My dad died. They knew me. They were very insistent I get that job. And I, I hadn't even known that at the time. But the door came open. And I found that a lot of times, you know, doors will come open for you based on who you know. It's like we live in this society. If you know people and the right connections, they can make things happen for you. And I'm just telling you, there's one person you need to know for you to get into heaven. And his name is Jesus. And unless you know him, it's really going to be impossible for you to, to be in eternity with him. You'll, you'll be separated forever. You've got to know him. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus himself will say to some people, I never knew you. Depart from me. There's something about knowing the Lord that's sacred that will open every door and be a blessing in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to know him, to meet him. He, he is the one. He's the only one you need. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will be with you through storms, through thick, through thin. He, he's, the, he's the master of every relationship. And if you don't know him, I just want to give you the opportunity. Put a head, hand up, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. brothers and sisters. Will you, will you stand up with me this morning? You know, as I was praying about this, I wanted to just leave you with two things. You really do need to sign up for that marriage conference if you're married and you want to grow your relationships. It, it is going to be a great, great time. Friday night at 6.30, Saturday morning from 8 to 12. And Mike Ware will be with us on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. And I have this impression. If, if you have a relationship that's broken down, if you've got kids or grandchildren that have walked away from the Lord and you're worried about where they're at spiritually, if there's a relational issue that is really just bugging at you, I want to invite you to the altars for prayer. 
I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for those relationships. I want to pray that God would use you specifically. So if there's something in your life, a relational problem, we want to invite you to the altars. I've got people that can pray with you, but I know this is a big deal because your family can be saved. Isn't that right? Yeah. So we love you. Thank you for coming out to Bethany Church today. We've had a great time. We've got a busy week. We've got Bible study on Tuesday. Legacy's taking place here Wednesday nights. We're having a great time doing that. Bishop Aludi on Thursday. It's going to be a crazy week. So I love you all very much, and uh, we will catch you all next week. Invite someone out to church, man. We love you.